You can't copyright it, but everyone knows where it's from. You know and what, if you even you try know, to copy it, you know what you're else you can't. You know what else people. you can't copyright? Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> dude, um, what a week we've had. What a week. <laughs> what a week. Yo. This episode produced by Westside Gut. Like. <laughs> The Griselda crew? Jesus Christ. This is now the Griselda cast. <laughs> like, it, it has a grip on your boy. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, yeah definitely. Um, But I, I'm assuming we've started. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> this do, is do, normally do, do, airlines. Do, do, do. <laughs> um, we've had quite a week. We've been blessed with what could be considered two contenders. Yeah, like yeah, five, no, what, not even, yeah, absolutely. Like, these are absolutely both, ironically, uh, top ten material for me. I just feel like this perfectly lines up with our personalities. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is essentially what we aim to be. These, yeah, these two no, this albums was, are you and, and I. And, like, we kind of polarized a bit, Adam, a little bit, I feel like. <laughs> like, yeah. I definitely feel like this weekend was different vibes for the both of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, even still, like we, I, I've had quite like so much enjoyment listening to both of these albums because yeah, no, they're dude. so different, but they're both exactly so good. I love the idea of like counter programming, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the idea that like if you put something out at the like in a completely different creative space as, like, another big thing, they can help each other, right? Like, Mm -hmm. a great example of this was, this is, like, a really, really, like, like old and, like, obscure, like, movie reference. But you remember the movie Ted? Yeah. Like, with Mark Wahlberg with the talking teddy bear? Yep. So that movie moved its release date up two weeks so it could release at the same day as Magic Mike. Right, the idea being that the audience for Ted is the exact opposite of like Magic Mike. It's why, like, whenever you go to a movie theater and you see like, uh, like a big like studio movie, there's always like a rom com that releases the same week because like you want to offer something for the people who don't like, for the yep. largest group of people who aren't into the big thing. Right. Right. And it's just this idea that, like, releasing two completely different things at the same time just kind of makes you listen to them both more. And that's how I felt. Wow. I'm, we've been drinking. Like, <laughs> like. So, <clears throat> we're starting off right from the top. That was actually very introspective. Um, that was a great analysis on, like, these two albums, I think, honestly. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's really cool. It's a really cool to get these. Two albums. To be honest, I'm really happy that Drake did a job last week. I was just about to say, I think I kind of joked about it last week because, like, Loki, I was like, you know what? Smino, I put in some of my like top artists of all time. I think his style and his flow is very unique and he's one of a kind. Yeah. A lot of people can be copied. I don't think Smino can be copied no. easily, I should say. No. Um, Not the whole package. Yeah, no, not everything at once. He, yeah. he brings too much to the table, especially just like the confidence part of it as well. He's one of the artists where I feel like his personality is actually what shines. One hundred percent, just like, as much as the music. It, his, 
Um, you are hitting all the things I want to bring up. Uh, yep. But yeah, he's almost like a figure. More so than an artist. And I don't mean that like to say he's not an artist, because like, he is like one of the yeah, most creative... <laughs> Like, when you were kind of flaming me the other day, like, a few podcasts ago, and you were like, oh, well, you listen to artsy shit? This is artsy shit. And it, this is artsy. <laughs> this is dope. Like, you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, uh, yeah. Why, let's just get right into the news. Let's just get right into the news. <laughs> just like, let's get this out. Nah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have two really big releases in terms of albums, but, like, there's not a lot going on this week. Yeah. Um, as much as I like to joke about Drake's lyric about saying how everyone has to move their release date when Drake drops, there's low-key is some truth to it. Yeah, no, Boogie with a Hoodie said it. And, like, yeah. the other thing is that, like, yeah, like, when you have, like, Boogie with a Hoodie and Drake aren't opposites the same way. Uh, the Smino West Gun is? Yes. Oh, sorry, Gun? Yes, definitely. Right. Drake? Just because of who he is and yeah. the brand presence that he has, he's going to dominate the entire market. So. And also, let's not forget 21 Savage. I know. I, I'm just saying in general, in terms yeah. of like that brand aspect, Yeah, I feel like Drake brings that into it. And then 21 Savage is like, okay, all the real hip-hop fans are like, yeah, that's saying like, real hip-hop fans don't like Drake. But like in reality, 21 Savage brings those bars. He has a, 21 Savage has a much bigger core audience than Drake. Like right. Drake is Drake's the biggest star in the world right now. And the, uh, the expansion is so far where like it's hard to see if you no can one can top him. Drake. But but I think it's also safe to say Twenty One Savage has a lot more credibility, even with the whole being British thing. <laughs> right, I feel like people don't even talk about that in general. Yeah, because it's not that big of a deal. It's just like hilarious when you find out. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was a very like, like I don't know if you've ever watched meme like blew up on Twitter. I don't know if you've ever like watched like a behind the scenes thing, and an actor you didn't know is British ended up being British, and it's like, <laughs> whoa, what the fuck is going on? It's like, everyone loses their mind, and it's it's speci- especially for Twenty One Savage because like his personality and his it's so Atlanta, that, <laughs> right? <laughs> everything you know about him, at least. Pr- pr- Previous to it being released that he was British, it's just like, okay, this is like the definition of an Atlanta nigga. Like, this is him. <laughs> this is the one. And then it's just like, it, it breaks the mold. But even still, he uses that to his advantage. Because, like, have you seen some of the promo for this album? It's insane. It, they made a fake Vogue mach- uh, uh, magazine. Yeah. They made a fake Tiny Desk video. Yeah. They did some kind of interview, interview where he was even talking about him and Drake were doing a fake interview with somebody. And this also brought up, he was saying like, oh, like, how do you play, like, bring British into your music? It's like, it's different things that they've brought in from the surrounding environment that we've been talking about on the podcast for weeks. Yeah. It, it's it's so amazing to see. The promo for this has been ridiculous. I, you know, I'm, I'm really, give me one second. Yeah, I'm really kind of split on it, because on one hand, like, the people who are upset that we didn't actually get a Drake and 21 Savage Tiny Desk concert, like, I kind of get where they're coming from. Yeah, I would like one. But, like, the the advertising person in me is like, fuck, this is really good. This is, like... Absolutely genius. This is really, really good. I wonder what else they could do. I would love if they got, like... 
like a fake game made or something like that. <laughs> yep. I can see them doing it. I mean, and it's done with such high quality in terms of the production and the marketing. Like, I, the reason people are so upset that there isn't a tiny this <coughs> is because it's actually believable. It seems like there would be a tiny desk. Okay, so um, that I actually I want to push back on. Because, like, when I saw that there was a tiny desk, I was like... Like, when I thought it was real, because I'm not going to lie, like, I I thought, I bought it. I thought, like, oh, this is an actual thing that's happening. Like, I learned about it while I was at work, and I'm like, and then I just didn't think about it until I learned it was fake. <laughs> but I was like, okay. yo, they're getting a tiny desk. Uh, how hard could they possibly be going? Like, that's not a good sign. <laughs> you know, it's one thing for Jin and Denzel to do tiny desks. They're artsy dudes. Smino art right. tiny desk all day long, love that. But but Drake Drake and Twenty <laughs> I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just saying like, oh, this is not the album I thought it was gonna be. Like I thought this is gonna be like, let's burn some down some buildings music. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually gonna ask because interesting enough, the when it was announced, when it was like. Put on Instagram. It was technically a music video for Jimmy Cooks. It was a song they put together. It was the last song of Drake's last album. Absolutely phenomenal. Best song on the album, even though that bar is very low. Um, the music video transitions into a softer song. And I'm pretty sure, I, I think it's a song that's actually supposed to be on the album. Like that noise in the transition that you hear in the background where the pitch start going in the background, they're standing there and the music changes and they have the whole like introduction of like, oh, Drake and 21 Savage, this is the album, this is the date, blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure that song is supposed to be on the album. And that is actually a relatively like slower song for a song like 21 Savage. What we'll so I the wouldn't whole be thing. surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if th there's going to be some bangers. Like, there's no doubt. We, yeah, no. Th there's very clear things we need to set as a standard. And just to understand that, like, my expectations, there's going to be. <laughs> Multiple songs on the radio for the next couple of months. They're going to get a couple of hits. It's going to be on top 100 billboard or whatever. Like, there's going to be at least two or three music videos, I feel like. Yeah, I definitely think. Like, what do you think is the best case scenario for this album, though? Like, do you think this is going to be, like, a genuinely, like, creative and top-tier album working on all levels? Or do you think... Best case scenario, this is a worthy success for, successor to What a Time to Be Alive. Because I, I think, was, I think yeah. more the, the latter, right? Which, hey, if it's, mm. like, if it's that, great. Fucking give me that all day long. I'd love that. It's not going to break my top ten, though. Like, if, you know what I mean? So what I would say, I, I'm along the same lines where I think the peak of this would be um, a follow-up to What a Time to Be Alive. Because it shows, it's it's just like in line with the next Drake collab album. Um, with that being said, though, I think my expectations of what I define as successful, like this is more than just, you said it wouldn't break your top 10. I think if this is at the peak of what it can be, this breaks my top 10. Yeah, I feel like if they come out with some of the dopest beats, some amazing transitions, some very memorable lines, um, good production, good features, a lot of things that can go into it to make this great. Like, do not get me wrong. I put What a Time to Be Alive extremely high. 
So like if it has every all the pieces come together, I could see this breaking my top ten easily. Yeah, I guess like that's just where I'm where I'm at though, because like I like uh, you know, what it had to be alive. I think it's a good album, but like if that album was to come out this year, I don't think it would be in my top ten. I guess that's fair. You know, that is fair. now I'm not saying like look, I, just and this is mostly like fucking praying for Drake. Like this is not an assessment of like <laughs> what Drake has been doing, more of like what I think Drake is capable of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Twenty One Savage, I think he's legitimately doing very well. So I, I hope it's something really, really good. I think it's certainly possible that it is. But I think best case scenario, it's more in that line where it's just like it's an album of really good bangers that doesn't become more than the sum of its parts the way like some of the best albums of this year have. Yeah, that is a great way to put it. Honestly, when I look at music like this, I treat this as like marketing hip hop is in terms of like this is what you give to people to try to get into hip hop. It's meant for this the is mass. the product. It's, it's, this is exactly yeah. Like this is this is you know, it's a product. This is <laughs> it's literally what you would be like. This is what happens. You know, so like so who and just like, doesn't know it what could be. Is. And that's not to say it can't be good. It absolutely can be. And when something gets that level of production and is creatively viable, that's how you get a Mister Morale and the Big Steppers. You know. Uh, it's so much more that goes into it. Yeah, it just has like a huge budget, and you can tell. Mm. Uh, so yeah, definitely, this is a product, and I don't mean that disparagingly. Oh yeah, I I just understand, and like, look, theoretically, like I do like Twenty One Savage significantly more than Future. I mean, I like Future. Don't get me wrong. But like, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> so like, it, it's not inconceivable that it's even better. But, like, I just think an album like that, like, yes, it's good. Yes, it has replay value. Yes, it has basically everything you want from it. But I just, once again, I just think there's that layer of creativity that I personally really always look for in what I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think it just has a bit of a ceiling. Yeah, I was going to say, you you don't get it out of that product. Yeah, that's fine. And, once again, like, not all... You know, it's we'll get into this later. We'll talk. We'll have a full episode about the commercialization of music. Yeah, well, there's a lot to like break down between that. All right, getting um, to a completely opposite vibe, or maybe not. Very, very different. Or um, maybe not. No, like, <laughs> this is gonna be a very different vibe. If, if they give the same energy, then like I, I don't know if I'm more surprised at Drake's or more surprised at Joji. Um, but yeah, Joji's coming out with Smithereens. Um, this is actually like a very big announcement, I feel like. Yeah, because like jo- Joji has, has a huge fan base. Yes. Joji has a huge fan base. My thing is that like, I- I've listened to him a few times. I've enjoyed it. I just never come back to it. Interesting. You know, like I will almost certainly be listening to this at some point before the end of the year. And, you know, who knows? Like this could be the, the song that breaks me into Joji. Mm. You know, uh, or the album that does, but I just that's just my I've listened to all of his stuff in the past, and like it's good. Like, I do not anyone who likes Joji, hey, that's super cool, but it's just like hasn't resonated for me personally. Mm. 
It's a very unique style, to be honest. Um, Is it? Because I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of very much downstream of like the mainstream trend in R and B lately. And that's not to say it's bad, but I don't think it's particularly inventive. It does seem kind of. I think the only real criticism I have of Josie is that it's a bit derivative. At, at least for me and what I've taken out of, like, from Joji, from at least what I've, like, picked up on his style, the reason I say it's a little bit different, because you're, you're right, some of the, like, messages are just kind of trickled down from that mainstream, yeah. and so... More I like the like, sounds. Yeah, yeah, the sound. I feel like his experience sets him aside, because they're coming from a very different unique view um i don't know many mother many other artists that are very similar to joji just because of its like very laid back style um even if you pull it up in terms of on spotify i'm looking at like artists that he's similar to and like even still these people i don't really compare them to like rich brian comes up Jaden comes up kevin abstract comes up mm, yeah and like hmm. Oh, and I oh, just Kevin. don't feel like he fits any of those moves. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> feel like he's like a, the Kevin Abstract of like alternative R and B. Interesting. You know, I feel okay. like he's in that lane. You know, I, I definitely look. I think he's within the cultural conversation of hip hop. Like, if you go to like our hip hop heads, which I've been doing a lot more lately, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah, it's it, he's absolutely within this circle that we draw around it. But, you know, I think creatively he's much more lined with R&B. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's coming up here, kind of transitioning on, he is often compared to people that are somewhat within that Brockhampton circle. And so we're getting... Yeah, we're getting Brandon. our first look at the next, last final Brockhampton album. What, what's your thoughts? I, I am very excited. Did you see the track list? I'm gonna be honest. I haven't seen almost anything. So the thing is, I saw the track list, and like on the track list, you see like all the members of Brockhampton that are on each track, and it's mostly Kevin. Like, okay. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, every other artist is on at least two or three songs, mm-hmm. but. It's a it's very Kevin focused. So I think first off, like I'm always gonna be quality first. Like this is one of my favorite groups of all time. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna listen to it. And if it's good, it's good. Like it doesn't nothing really else matters. But on the other hand, like I am gonna wonder, like, is this just you know, Brockhampton not wanting to say goodbye to its fan base and this is more or less just a Kevin Abstract project. Uh, well, remember, that's kind of something that that's something that I hinted at when it was very first announced. That's one of the first things that I said to you. I remember I this. Saying, the way it was presented in that video, it's like he was showing them what he has done, and I was like, "That's weird." Yeah. And now we're kind of seeing like what is apparently a product of that. It's also, and this might be the cynic in me. But, like, it also, like, leaves a door open in my mind. Okay. You know? Because, like, you know, if you approach it this way, 
there's always the door that like if they decide they do want to do another album they can be like oh we're gonna do this one like from the ground up together you know what i mean like i'm not first off like yeah i just don't believe that they're necessarily broke up i think it's maybe not like probable but definitely possible and certainly likely that there's more brockhampton coming Uh, I mean, I do hope you're right. I just haven't picked out. I just think, you know, one of the things, I I think Brockhampton is kind of unstable. (laughs) And way to put it. Yeah, and like, if if, it it just rings true in my head that like, oh, they would, they might just want to get back together and do a quick album real quick. I mean, I, let me correct myself. I, I will say I've seen one thing that kind of stands true behind that theory. It's the fact that multiple times some people within the actual group have been either tweeting tweeting or putting on Instagram kind of saying like, man, I really miss the group. So it is certain things like that where it's just like, mm, interesting. Maybe they actually will come back together. Maybe they're serving this as like a time period to either gather yeah. your thoughts, get everything together, and kind of go from there. I definitely think there's going to be a hiatus. You know, I definitely think, like, Brockhampton will be dead for at least three years. Okay. But I just think it's pretty likely that one day down the road, Brockhampton happens again. Right. Or at least some version of them. A collective of part of the group. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Ugh. So, do you, how upset are you that we're not getting down in Atlanta this week? I am not happy at all. I honestly have been waiting for this for a while. Um, they put this on some Instagram stories weeks ago at this point. Um, kind of teasing that they had a track together. Um, you're looking at one of the best producers to ever do it for Williams. You're looking at Travis Scott, one of my golden boys. I've heard a couple of leaked tracks that are supposed to be on Utopia or whatever he names his next album. And man, is it sounding better and better as the day comes? I, I will say it sounds much more yeah um, personal. I got I gotta say I, I think and locked is, in. That's interesting. I gotta say, I, I think this is the right direction for Travis. Mm-hmm. I I wanna see what happens as the result of him working with other producers. Cause I, I I think that is Travis's strength. Like he is a great producer. He has like vision, able to pull things together really, really mm-hmm. well. Uh which is why I think like everything he makes is so grand, even like whether that's a complete success like Rodeo and Astral World, or whether like it comes together, it comes apart a little bit under the weight of that, like Birds in the Trap, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's the thing that we talked yeah. about. We so always him, talked about artists being stagnant. So yeah, if he's him, changing it up. Yeah, him good. evolving and working with other producers. And like, to me, that feels like him leaving his comfort zone. And I'm into that. Honestly, bro, I'm telling you, if it comes out this year, I'm I'm going to be a messed up man. Yeah, My top five is going to be stressful. Gonna... Yeah, <laughs> it's already stressful, dude. It's... <laughs> but um, moving on then, some other things. Speaking of our top five, yeah. my, uh, <laughs> my current sitting at number one, uh, Jed was finally able to release 2007. Uh, he did drop this on Instagram, 
weeks before the actual album dropped as kind of like promo, but it was never cleared. It's finally been cleared. It's been added to the extended version. Brandon, as you just listened to the song for the first time today, what are your thoughts? Dude, this is an incredible song. It's seven minutes long. It's a story. I love how it's about his football career. Mm-hmm. Incredible song. Just, I love it. Like, him visiting all the points in his life that really matter. Like, just love it. Like, yeah. 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 It's literally an origin story. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fantastic. Uh, I think. That- I think my hottest take when it comes to this song is, like, if he had waited until it cleared, which would have been now, to drop the Forever Story, I think mm-hmm. the Forever Story is so good that people wouldn't have cared. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, once it dropped, if it would have, like, if he would have, like, been teasing it for months and months and months, and then he dropped it now with 2007 being cleared, I don't think he would have gotten any backlash, and part of me thinks he should have done that. <laughs> like... Because this is a hell of a closer. I've always thought that, like, the biggest, one of the biggest issues was, even though the last song in the Forever Story is good, like, there's no Mm -hmm. bad songs on that album. It didn't really feel like a proper closer. That's true. But now we have it. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like the song serves, one, as, like, a perfect closer, because it it does, and by all means, I am not the one to talk about writing in this conversation. <laughs> but at least growing up throughout like your education days in school, they kind of teach you at the end of all your papers, like it's a close you're supposed to wrap up all your talking points. And I feel like this song does an excellent job of that because it tells the entire story of the album within the one song. It's an actual origin story and it goes along with the overarching theme of family, um, upraising, hustling like all of those things tying together within that one song not even just within the lyrics but the beats and the transitions the actual features that he brings on he's bringing on the co-president of dreamville he's bringing on j cole he's bringing on a short little skit with his dad like it is the entire album who is the co-president of abraham hold on so he's not like a rapper right no 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 uh, this man because like it sounded familiar. I'm pretty sure I've heard him on things, but I'm tweaking right now. Uh, Abraham Hamid, him and J Cole like go way, way, yeah. Way, way I'm back. I'm and familiar with the name now that you say it. Like, yep, both of them created Dreamville together. So people don't really know Muhammad behind the scenes, but like he is just as important to the foundation of the entire organization in the Dreamville Records. The fact that. This is his first feature on any song, and he chose it to be Jid. There is so much that goes behind, like, the symbolism and, like, the meaning behind that. It's it's a perfect song. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop talking. It's a perfect song. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, but, yeah, I guess. Should we uh, get into the worst news? Yeah, let's do it. This is not fun. Um... It's, man, I'm finna get emotional. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, this one hurt a lot. Over this week we lost takeoff, um, a part of the Migos. He was the youngest one died in a bowling alley or outside a bowling alley, not too sure of the details over what's supposed to be a an argument that started. Yeah, an argument game. over a dice game apparently? Yep, a dice game. Um he was shot and killed. Um confirmed dead on the scene. In the arms of Quavo. That's not good. And like, 
that is a uh, it, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah, it's a very sad thing, and I feel like this is one of the bigger. I mean, regardless, all of them matter, and they all really suck. And I hate that rappers are just dying for like literally no reason. No it's so reason. stupid. Yeah, but this is like one of the bigger names in a while. And it's to me, it came across as extra senseless, right? Because mm-hmm. like there's literally no reason. Yeah, it was an argument. You know, this guy wasn't involved with crime. This guy wasn't on drugs. Not that those things are reason to die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things are greatly impacted by outside factors. But, like, this wasn't even that. You know, this could have been any dude on the street. And, like, this was a member of, if not one of the best, one of the most important rap groups of the last decade. Like, Yes. Literally. You know, debatably the most important, you know. Um, they and, brought in the triplet flow again. They yeah. changed so much of the actual trap they genre. Were, they were rap. my intro to, like, what, this kind of trap, right? Because I listened to, like, GZTI and Killer Mike, but, like, mm. this generation of trap, like, I was all in on Migos, because, like, at the time it was really just Migos and Future, and I just always thought Migos were better. I mean, you're not wrong. I, saying either one is good. So yeah. Um, I just feel like this. This one hurt a lot. It, it honestly it did. did. It, it really. Did. It might just be like weird timing or whatever it is, but just the idea. Uh, another thing that a lot of people aren't bringing up, and not to get within their family business, but the idea of dying without resolving issues with your family members is a big deal, and the fact that. I don't know if you ever worked everything off, everything out with Offset, but like just that idea of like maybe they weren't able to finalize or come to a conclusion on whatever differences they had before he passed away. It really sucks. So you know, something like you want to go home? Yeah, go ahead. So something I heard on the Twitter sphere, right? Because mm-hmm. so like don't think this is one hundred percent true, because apparently some people were pushing the absolutely harmful and needless theory that like offset might have been involved with like the death which is just obviously not what happened right and like in response to that people were posting like proof and like tweets and stuff proving that offset and uh takeoff were like cool at the time like they had that that is what i had heard that like they had completely Mm -hmm. swatched their beef they were on completely good terms so that was at least, like, that was good to hear. Because, like, you know, the Migos are important. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, like, they're, they're important. And, like, it, it is unacceptable that this dude couldn't live through a dice game. Man, like, it's just... It, it, it really sucks, because you really want to support your community, and I love seeing, like, young black men growing to be successful. It's just certain things you gotta grow out of. Like, value life. There's so much more. It's such a useless death. Yeah, it is. And it doesn't matter if it was him, if it was Joe down the street. Like, it literally doesn't matter. And this kind of thing (laughs) happened all the time in this country, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, nonstop. Yeah, and like, you know, I, I definitely think, like, there are, specifically when we talk about, like, drugs, I definitely think like this there is something to be said about hip-hop culture and like its relationship with that 
Uh, but in this case, it, it's just not true at all, I don't think. I think this is just the kind of violence that happens every day in this country. And mm. it just bit someone who, like, we all really cherish. Right. It's... I can't keep going on. Yeah, let's, let's move on. <laughs> there's, there's so much to say. Let's move on. Um... So we hinted at this. We hinted at this earlier. But uh, A Boogie With A Hoodie delayed his album. Okay. And because Drake is dropping. Uh Drake is Drake was originally supposed to drop last week, Boogie was supposed to drop this week, and then Drake moves, so he moves. Uh like, and he, literally. And, and he tweeted about it. And you know what? Yeah. I respect the honesty. Like keep it real, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, like absolutely that's what you should have done. To me, this says nothing more than Boogie with the hoodie is able to think critically about his situations. <laughs> like mm-hmm. So, I mean, honestly, I didn't know how I felt, but I did bring it up to you, and I was like, low-key, like, it's funny. Like, it's funny that it happens, and, like, it's real that it happens. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing that he did move. Yeah. Now, another thing is, like, is it lame? Personally, I feel like this just hurts pride more than anything. You know what? I would say, I would argue that, like, look, if it was a Boogie Widow hoodie delaying because it was some artists of an equivalent size of because nav was dropping or something right nav's a great mm. example right if he was like oh nav's dropping i'm gonna delay i'd be like that's fucking lame like right. <laughs> uh but this is this is drake dude like this right. is this is completely understood. this is on a completely different stratosphere right like so I, i'm sympathetic i i'm definitely sympathetic to what you're saying but i i think i disagree Okay, fair enough. It, yeah. it just sucks in his condition. <laughs> yeah, that But like, at least he's real about it. <laughs> like, you know, do you know? Because I, I think it was just like a month, right? Yeah, I, I, I think it was just a week. Like a oh, he, he starts doing a week. I think it's just a week. Yeah, like, or okay. maybe a couple. Okay. Like, okay, then I don't feel so bad. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, he'll, no, he'll dude. I think he's literally eventually. just trying to get off that date, and like, I don't fucking blame him, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, I honestly, in, in with him and everyone else, I kind of joked about this at the beginning of the podcast or the episode, but like, um, that's it for the news, like, that's all that has happened. This news, so yeah, there's there's literally a reason, like, this yeah. is just wow, we are, yeah, this is uh, this has not been a lot for the news, like, <laughs> no, it has not been a lot for the news, um, but. Even better, now we have time to discuss two the albums. Really good albums. So we're going to be yeah. doing two reviews this week. We're putting on our reviewer hat. We are not the needle drop. We're cooler. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Unpaid Nobody's Review. Let's not get fined. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's review. Uh, we want to start with West Side Gun? I think that would be appropriate. Yeah. So, West Side Gun. Dropping on the 10th anniversary of his first Hitler Wears Hermes mixtape. Dropping mm-hmm. 10. Good idea. To, yeah. To first the off, yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah. First off, I, I appreciate that he just like didn't make a big deal about it. He just named it 10, moved yep. on. Didn't Speaking of about awareness, it. this is literally it. Yeah. Being but they also, they also <laughs> clearly did not change any of the music. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> they say Hitler Wears Hermes 10... 
a bunch throughout the album. Like <laughs> multiple times as like it literally is a mixtape that sounds which like I don't I don't promote at all. You like, get out of it. Yeah. yeah, which I don't promote <laughs> them at all. Like they sh- should not have actually. Uh, but probably a good idea to take it out of the title. Like, <laughs> purpose. Just, just where we are right now. So, <laughs> so I think I think fair to say that we kind of came down. Uh, first up, spoiler alert: we like both albums. We both like both albums, like a lot. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Like we both like both albums a whole lot. Uh, and a matter of fact, we probably will grade them probably similarly. Uh. But we did kind of polarize on these two a bit, just in the sense that 10 kind of dominated my week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smino just took over everything that I know. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, just put you on your, your back foot. What did you think? Like, what, what was your thought on this? Um, I will say coming into this album specifically, I've done a lot more preparation, I would say, for a Griselda release. I will be honest with you. Prior to this year, I didn't have a lot of experience with this style of rap. Yeah, I, I, I got didn't really get to enjoy it. I got into Griselda last year. Uh, okay. When to, remember the song Fi Fi with Toby and Naguiwe? Yeah, yeah, I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, remember? Uh, he references them in a bar, and I was really into okay. that song, so I looked them up, and I was like, "Oh, I I know Benny the Butcher," and like. These guys. Right, like names you recognize. Yeah, but still, they've been doing this for like a decade. <laughs> yeah, no, they've been around for a very long time. And I like, I got in, because I remember I heard, listened to Hitler Wears Hermes 8 when it came out. Uh, mm-hmm. Just side A. Uh, and yeah, it's been a, it's been wild. It's been a wild year. Uh, I mean, it's a perfect time for them, or for West Side Gun to release this, because it it honestly we're gonna get into this in general because this is one of the main topics. But I think Rosalda in that style of music is at a peak right now. Uh, trap hip hop and them like I they're think the, they're leading the actual genre. Yeah, well, to be honest, like I feel like this is the first big movement to challenge trap in a long time, right? Yeah, yeah, it really. Like is. this is the biggest boom bat, like the Griselda boom bat movement, right? And I think it's. Interesting, because they have trap songs on this. Like, there's clearly no sense of, like... Yeah, trap beats and everything. Yeah, like, there are trap beats on this album. Really well done, I'd say. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's the thing. Yeah. So, coming into this, and, like, because... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was... Something I just wanted to get out there was... This boom-bap sound was always a sound that, like, conceptually, I really, really like. The idea of, like, jazz kind of put together into a hip-hop beat mm-hmm. but like i was born in 1992 i turned 18 <laughs> in 2010 uh, i started going out in 2013 and even though that sound is probably a sound i prefer more than trap i think it's just fair to say that like just the more popular and probably better artists were just making trap music oh yeah that, you know for the last really good 10 years right so, like, as someone who is probably just, like, biased towards, like, the boom-bap sound, let's just make it clear that, like, trap has not only been more popular, but also probably creatively better than boom-bap until Griselda came around. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing you bring that up because there's a clear reason behind that. And like you said, it's, it's how people actually listen to it. It's the artists that are behind it that are supporting it. I feel like trap music is just 
it's one of those products that's easy to be like, hey, you may not listen to like hard rap, but here is some good hip hop you can get into for people that may not really like go into that kind of field. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I feel like this is for people who like like that rap, like like hardcore hip hop from the '90s, and just want something new in that direction. Yeah, I was gonna say something more modern, where the yeah. beats and the production is more up to scale with what we can actually do nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Uh, n- not saying that older music isn't as good or as like creative not not saying that but just like in general because of technology because of more sounds and just how people feed off each other i also think nowadays we just have more to actually give i also feel like culturally there's something to be said because like it's almost like we hit it's almost like there's like this cyclical nature like in the relationship between hip-hop and crime in that like in the 90s, there was, it was kind of understand that there was, like, a bit of a facade, right? Mm. And now there, there is none. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? And I would say what makes Griselda sound kind of cool, and this is something I said to you this week, because I've listened to... I've gone back and listened to a bunch of this stuff, like, after 10 came out. Um, yeah. So, what, what I would say, and this is what I was going to say earlier, coming into the album, we have been blessed. Yeah, with that <laughs> like, this year. We have been eating just in general. Yeah. I, I will say, previous to last year, because I wasn't really listening to it, this year, personally, uh, I've gone into Tana Talk 4. Incredible. Butcher. I've gone into um, SSS with Freddie Gibbs. Yeah. Now, um, I think it's even important. Even though he isn't in that field, it's, it's he's, similar. He's certainly in the same subgenre, right? It's just that Mm. Griselda is like a label and a creative collective. Right. right. And like not I I also think like Freddie Gibbs and them aren't friendly. Interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty that I didn't know at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're like I think they used to be, but I don't think they are anymore. But I would definitely say that they're in the same subgenre, for sure. Like what I was going to say, even building off that, more of an expansion, just like we got Pusha T. It's kind of in the same field, more commercialized, but like Pusha we, T, I've gotten yeah. so many different versions of this style. Yeah, we've got, you know, you know yeah. Run the Jewels, which I think like might not be commercialized, but certainly a very exactly. a- approachable version of this sound. Mm-hmm. You know, Action Bronson. Action Bronson. Just came out with an amazing album. Just listened to it. It was phenomenal Might this as year. well be in a... Might as well be a Griselda guy. Get him on a yeah. Griselda album. I would love that. He, he's done multiple features with him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know who else has? And, like, fuck. I want him. Because he does it. He tries to go the main street route. And he's he's failing. Uh, and I think, like, if he kind of, like, ran with these guys, I think he would be, like, a really cool voice in that crowd. And I think it's Belly. Oh. Okay. I, I, dev- I definitely think, like, if... Belly was kind of like more in this lane. I think he would be more appreciated. I'm curious, just on this specific one. Do you think Belly is too? He's better at giving a singing performance, almost. Maybe not singing, but a more melodic flow. Do you think he is too set far apart from them? Because most of these people, like. The most you're gonna get out of them is like AO. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Like if you go back and like on his last album, 
like one of his lead singles is with Benny the Butcher, and they go bar to bar. Okay. You know, okay. he doesn't. I agree that he certainly makes a lot more sing songy, vibey music than Griselda. And is better at it. <laughs> and you could. Okay, fair point. But I think, like, no, I think he has the. I think he has the lyrical skill to do it. 100%. Okay. And, like, my. He's done features with these guys. Like, he's not completely out of the loop. He just. I just don't think he is doing the same thing. Right. I definitely think he's chasing more of a mainstream vibey sound, which, hey, that's great, but I think like he would have more success in this lane. So I'm actually curious, one thing kind of going off of this, and hopefully it's not too far off the direction of the podcast. No, I don't um, think so. We've talked a lot about them, and this is something I wanted to talk to you about because I feel like you got a little bit more experience than I do. Um, we've talked about them being very collective, very strong together, where like all the pieces come together and they actually can produce a much better like album for people. I think this is expressed in the last song of the album that's like nine, ten minutes. Oh long. yeah, the posse track. <laughs> Where like everybody is on it's it. It's everyone. Conway the Machine is on it and I don't think he's on a Griselda anymore. Right. And yeah, so like, like that is an amazing piece. But yeah. I have a slight problem and I'm curious if you've seen the same thing. Yeah, okay, what's up? I feel like they're too similar. And by saying that, it's interesting to see a rap label, Conrad the Machine, dropped an album. Yeah. Benny the Butcher dropped an album. Now he's dropped Armani an album. Caesar. Armani Caesar has dropped an album. Westside Gun has dropped too. Exactly. Like, <laughs> um, you know, it it's hard to tell the difference between them at one point. Um, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. As I've listened to them more, I think I've gotten away from it. It was actually kind of ironic is like, even though he's kind of the mastermind behind the whole thing, and I think he's an absolute genius, I think the one I enjoy the least is probably Westside Gun. Okay. So, like, to me, like, yes, the overall music is certainly, like, extremely similar, and they do kind of blur together in a way. I totally agree with that. But, like, I feel like once you listen to them enough, you can kind of get that, like, yeah, Conway is like a storyteller, you know, and he goes hard. Benny the Butcher is all about wordplay and shit. Uh, West Side Gun is, you know, more very old school boom bap combined with like the ad libs of like the trap era. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, and I say that because like I think West Side Gun is good. Like, I like West Side Gun a lot, but mm. I think like. You know, I think they're different enough, but I definitely am sympathetic to that. I I see why someone would say, like, yeah, they these all sound the same to me. Do you think, like, because I've listened to everything, but... <laughs> Excuse me, oh my goodness. Um, I've listened to everything, but I think... Is it Conway the Machines? Hold on. Benny the Butcher, I think. I've listened to everything, everybody's but Benny the Butcher. Yeah, um, wait, you listened to Tana Talk 4. That was Benny. Wait, wait, no, not Benny. Who's the other one? Now I'm forgetting which name. Are you talking See, about this? This is the pro. Yeah, I, I know. The There's a I'm lot having. of them. They're like Brockhampton, but not as silly <laughs> enough. Like <laughs> it, it, it was Kanye the Machine. I haven't yeah. listened to Kanye the uh, I think the that's machine. the best one. Kanye, Conway the that's Machine. That's actually what I was about to ask. Okay, so that's the best one. Conway the Machine is the best one. I also really like, I don't think this is technically a Griselda release. 
but it has all the Griselda artists. I also really like Black Soprano Family. Okay. Okay. Which I think gets to the reason, like, why I like this stuff so much. Is because it just sounds like a mob movie. It literally just sounds like... <laughs> it does. Like, it's like, hey, mob movie, but, like, gangster rap? It's like, give me all that. That's exactly what I want in this life. <laughs> like, There's so many... <clears throat> I guess we can get into the track list. There are so many bars in this album, from track to track. Well, I've literally had to, like, pause the music and, like, hold on. Let me think about this for a second. Yeah. This is it's not like overly complicated, but it's very creative wordplay where it's like, man, that really gets you thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What were uh, what were some of your favorite tracks? Um standing out for me, some of my favorite tracks. <sighs> BDP stands out to me. That was because it has one. that very unique sample in it that stood out for me. Science class, I think, is fantastic. Science class is easily one of the strongest, yeah. (laughs) Buster Rhymes gives debatably the feature of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, that's Um, it's one of them, yeah, for sure. I think what I enjoy the most out of that one is just the tempo, how he actually goes along the beat. Buster Rhymes is known to be a lyrical, fast rapper, and the way he can actually bring that into like that style, phenomenal. He's like that, but like good, yeah, (laughs) phenomenal. Um. But honestly, and this might be a stretch. My favorite song is Red Death. The last song. Yeah, that might be my favorite song, one too. I we've talked about like nine minute songs that yeah. kind of change your perspective on music. This might make the list. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I, uh, I Red, Red, Red Death is my favorite song on it too. I think yeah. the beat is incredible. I think Benny the Butcher opens it up with I think is the verse of the year. Because, like, to me, like, there were three times where I was like, fuck, this is the best verse I've heard this year. Like, and that was Buster Rhymes on Science Class. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I was, I wouldn't say let down, but, like, it's not one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, switches on everything. We run the jewels. I thought LP mm-hmm. fucking killed it. I thought that was, like, incredible. Uh... And then Benny the Butcher on Red Death. And I'm like, these are the best verses I've heard all year. Holy shit. Yeah, honestly. They, yeah. They've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel about... um? Because one thing that's standing out to me, because you know I like features a lot. Yeah. Relatively, all of these features, the only... I, I use famous very loosely. The only major famous artist is ASAP Rocky, in my opinion. Yeah. Everyone else is either within Griselda or kind of a not smaller name, but maybe an older name like Buster. Legacy, Rhymes. legacy name. Right. You know? Exactly. I mean, on one hand, you know, I I agree with you because like ASAP is like the only real big mainstream name on it. Also, Shootouts in Soho is one of my favorite songs on the album. Hmm. Uh. But I also think like it is kind of stunty how he has like in my opinion, three of the five best groups of all time on here, like, represented with Black Star, because that song's great. Mm-hmm. I I love Peppas. Like, uh, if I had to go top three, it's probably... Well, Peppas isn't in my top three. But it's probably uh, Shootouts in Soho, Fly God Jr., and Red Death. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But yeah, you I'm have pretty much lined up. Yeah, you have uh Black Star, you have Wu Tang represented heavily on science class. And then you have Run the Jewels, who I think is like probably the best modern rap group. Mm-hmm. Um Honestly, yeah, like it, it is kind of crazy how stacked, but also like how of a piece it feels. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said of one piece that it kind of comes together because it, it honestly this is a mixtape. Like, let's call it what it is. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. This definitely it's so good. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it it's it's an incredibly well produced mixtape. But like, yeah, it it it's also kind of like a mixtape in a vibe more than anything else. Because I remember, like, during the Dat Piff era, the thing to me that would like trigger like oh this is a mixtape it was like a lot of industry beats like a lot of like artists do, rapping over other artists beats like that was like pretty common in mixtapes but mm-hmm. as they matured and we got to stuff like house of balloons and acid rap like you saw a lot more original production on those and now we get to the point where like this is on a production level an album but yeah. i agree that when it comes to like the vibe of it yeah, this is a mixtape, one hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. and I think it serves better as a mixtape, to be honest. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because it, it yeah. gives you better expectations coming into it, and yeah. it gives that a certain vibe. It's a refreshing vibe. This is something that we texted about over the week. Well, I was kind of telling you, like, low key, I'm happy that that that, that is like a mixtape. When was the last time we got an actual mixtape, Brandon, from anyone? The last one was the other one by DJ Drama, the Dreamville one. Oh, I guess that is a mixtape. Yeah. And, like, of the two, I would say this is the best mixtape of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the only ones I can think of, because to be fair, the other one that you just mentioned was, what, in January, right? Yeah, and I think there was another DJ drama mixtape. Let me look it up. The last one I can think of is Tyler the Creator, right? He had something? I don't think so. Let me think of this for a second. Oh, no, yeah, it has a song with Tyler, the creator. Ah, okay. Let me see what's, like, a full title now. Anyway, yeah, no, this is an incredible album, just forward and backwards. I do say, like, it is, like, something I go back and I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to these six, seven songs a million times. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm gonna listen to Red Death a million times. I'm gonna listen to Science Class, <laughs> BPD, Peppas, Shootout, and Soho, Fly God Junior. Which, by the way, I thought West Side Gun sounded great on that trap beat. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, I agree. And once again, like I, I think he's a good, really good rapper, but like I, I thought he was especially good over the trap beat. It's something I would love to see him explore more. It's interesting that you say that because I feel like he has the capabilities of actually going into other styles of music, and that's something that yeah. I would want to see out of yeah. some of the people with the Griselda. I know that's what makes them special and makes them them, but yeah. they have the capabilities of giving other styles. I think as long as they never stop making that, I don't think I think it's kind of open season on literally other style on any other style for like experimentation. Mm-hmm. That would be the vibe I have, and also yeah. I think in a time right now. Where people are really, really like, you know, with the Kanye West shit, 
Uh, I think people are looking for like other great creative minds that they could follow. I think West Side Gun is certainly like one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way he has kind of created this entire movement, which you know is so big that it's picked up artists that I heard of way before Griselda and pushed them even farther. You know, like Freddie Gibbs. Ooh, Freddie Gibbs is a really good example. You know, because, like, I think Freddie Gibbs is probably, you know, the best singular artist of this genre, of this subgenre. He's a little bit more artsy, though. He is more artsy. You know, which makes him kind of more commercialized. I don't know about more commercialized, because I feel like his very, you know, he keeps it real enough that, like, there's an edginess to it. Yeah, I would say in terms of in in line of becoming between more underground and more commercialized, definitely there's like Pusha T who's more commercialized. Yeah, he's like the one who's like commercialized. Yeah, right. Yeah, I would say like the one, you know, there's Freddie Gibbs, who I think is like the artsy one. I think Griselda is really at the core of this sound. You have like Action Bronson, who's just weird, but like very good. (laughs) I mean, he is very weird, I think. He is. Uh did you listen to the new one? I've listened to, you, bro. I've listened to like most of it. I saw it live. It's great. I just gotta sit down and listen to all of it. Like, in man, order. it's it is so good. Is it like top like ten the, worthy? You think? Ooh, that's that's pushing it. But, <laughs> that's, that is pushing it. But it is quite is it enjoyable. top fifteen worthy? Top fifteen, yes. Okay. Personally, I would put top fifteen. Okay. Um, I, the more music that's coming out day to day. Top fifteen is, I mean, top ten is becoming hard to like. Yeah, and top ten is difficult right now. Like, because remember, our top ten is going to be all genres. So yeah, I, I, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Yeah, (laughs) I remember thinking like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep Big Big Crit at number ten just to show him love. (laughs) Yeah, you thought. (laughs) And like, I've re-listened to that album. It's extremely good. Uh, like, I actually think we were too hard on it, but mm-hmm. it's not, like... <laughs> it, it, it's not top 10. It, it is what it is. I, I, I had Future in my top 10 for a while. Future is not in my top 10. I had Saba in my top 10 for a while. I don't know if Saba is in my top 10. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it is a, if you're taking in all the genres, it's been a pretty tough year. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, no, don't make me include Kavinsky. Don't do that to me. Like... <laughs> Don't take like, away no, my number one spot, you asshole. <laughs> like, ba- based on science and math, like... <laughs> Look, you, you you can put Denzel as number one for hip-hop, but top ten, it'll probably be... Convenient. He's... Dude, that, 2007, making me, re- making me rethink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jid has uh. been doing phenomenal. But anyway, um, back to the Griselda boys. Yeah. Should we do a grading on them? Yeah, what are you thinking? Personally, for this album, I think I'm going to give it a BB plus. Um, I think they do a phenomenal job with the production on it. The lyrics are amazing. I will never forget the bar of buying baking soda at Costco just because you're selling that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I It's oh, like amazing. I think my favorite thing is, this is a little esoteric, but the... Uh, in Red Death, the Benny the Butcher verse, when he closes it, and he has mm-hmm. the Machine Gun Kelly reference, 
And, like, to me, it's the only time he's been referenced that it's not diss. And I like to think that these guys are just so real. They don't even think he's a rapper. Like, <laughs> like they're just like, yeah, he's we're talking about considered. that rock dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's very possible. <laughs> I don't consider him a rapper. Yeah. Like, uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, personally, that's where I sit. Yeah. I'm at a B plus. I think it's really great. I don't push it up to an A yet. Because A is like it's got to be your top tier stuff. Yeah, no, I'm 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 gonna go a strong B plus, a strong B plus. Mm. I I agree with the A, and you know the the strength of Griselda this year is like it's a double edged sword, because mm-hmm. on one hand, I want to give this like credit for being another great entry and a great year for a great label, but at the same time, it's like. I can't honestly say that this is an A and also God don't make mistakes is an A. You right. know, like that one, that one's fucking up my top five real hard. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, as much as I love it and like the, the effort to get like all these great art, artists on it, definitely like a worthy send off to a 10 year project. Mm-hmm. You know, so Do you think this is going to be the last in this kind of series. I I think like I've listened to not a lot of the West Side Gun interviews, but a little bit, and he's basically said like I'll do other series, but no, this is the last one. Okay, and yeah. I respect that honestly. Yeah, he's like out, you know, like I got a lot more stuff to come. I got stuff that will probably sound like it, but no, no more. Which like yeah, that makes sense. Like I I appreciate him for being like a very straightforward dude. Like he's like yeah, like I like making this stuff. There probably will be more like it. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, B plus, and okay. best tracks. Uh, Red Death, Science Class, uh, BDP. Those are my three. Black God Junior, Red Death, switches on everything. Okay. Ooh, I, switches on everything is very good. Yeah, that is that is very good. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's just the the thing that I'm taking away. I, I'm surprised that Griselda was going to be the example for me. I think as a fan prior to the podcast, like, don't get me wrong, not saying that the podcast has elevated me to some platform in any sense, but I feel like previous to the podcast, I didn't really expect or respect, I, I meant to say, I don't respect artists as much as I should. Or I was like, oh, it's taking them so long to release albums. What's, what, what are the, like, what's the label doing? Like, let's get everything together. But now that I see the effects of, like, a label being overproductive, and there's some flaws to it. It really does take away from that artist's, like, production for what they can do for themselves, in a sense, just because it's being compared so much. Yeah, definitely. But, um... All right. Should we go into Love for Rent? Let's talk about Love for Rent. <laughs> Brennan, I'm going to let you start, because if, I'm, if I start, I'm not going to stop. Yeah... <sighs> No, yeah, no, that's definitely fair. I want to start off like <laughs> with a segue and like my my initial like reflection on like ten compared to Love for Rent, and okay. really I feel like ten feels so much like a mixtape because of Love for Rent, because Love for okay. Rent feels like an album. It feels like a cohesive artistic statement. Um, and man, this is this is smooth. This is like a smooth. Easy listen album. The tracks top to bottom, like 
to me, I, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the track list, I have some things that may come across as criticisms, but I'd like to think that they are more observations. Because, okay. like, they didn't get in the way of me enjoying the music. Okay. But there are things about it, and the other thing is, I don't know if this is hitting that extra, like, special layer for me. Like, I, okay. I, I, I don't know if this is top ten for me, but I will say this, just based on how good it is, it's an album I'm going to be listening to a lot. Like, I will certainly be revisiting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because I, I feel like I feel within the exact same zone where I, I, one thing that you said that resonates in me, this is the easiest album that I've listened to this entire It's year. so smooth. And, like, I, I do not, as much as I do love some individual tracks on this, I don't mm-hmm. think I'll ever listen to this like. Uh, it has to be as a whole. As a whole, you have to play it front which, to back, which will probably mean I probably won't listen to Smino as much, <laughs> and that's unfortunate. So I'm still going to be adding it to my playlist, but like, <laughs> and that's understandable. I feel like these type of albums come around every once in a while. I compare this album personally to Isaiah Rashad last year, and that's how I kind of felt about it. It's a very easy, nice to listen project. I can recognize each of the songs individually as they all kind of have their own personality, their own like pros and cons within that song that makes it good. But it always comes together. It always pieces together as a whole project. Um, I, I, I agree to a extent. Like I agree that it okay. comes together as an artistic, like more than the sum of its parts. That part I agree with. What I will say for me is there were several times where I'm like, listening to the album the first time i listened to it it was on my computer and it was just mm-hmm. on my second screen while i was playing call of duty and like i remember looking over at it like it was the, the few songs after 90 proof okay. and just like those songs felt like as much as i was enjoying the music like it was just impossible for me to tell like where one begins and one ends right very and, true especially oh Odess, Kendrick, Luforia, and Blue Billy. Oh, Technically, yeah. like, the transitions are, like, even going from one song to the other, yeah. it transitions into the next. So I completely understand how it, it sounds like one. <laughs> yeah. And, like, typically for me, like, that's something that, w- you know, will keep me from revisiting it as much. Okay. Uh, but, like, it's also not something that I haven't experienced before. Like, my... I was just telling you, like, I, I'm really thinking Run the Jewels 2 is my favorite hip-hop album of all time. Mm. I felt the exact same way when I listened to that the first time. I'm like, <laughs> all these tracks run together. So, like, that is not to say, like, oh, there's a ceiling on it. It's just, I would say, typically, like, when tracks are very pronounced, they have unique styles, they have unique uh, dimensions to them, you mm. know. Uh, that's usually something that I'm going to gravitate towards more. But... That's not to say, like, anything about the quality of this album. I think just backwards to forwards. And there are exceptions. I do think there are some tracks that stand out really well. Okay. Um, I mean, since we're kind of talking about the tracks, should we discuss yeah. tracks now? Why don't you okay, tell me fine. your favorites? <laughs> Brandon. I, <laughs> okay. I know, it's going to be hard, but... <laughs> I will try to, like, narrow down pieces of, like, what I like. Um, No L's is one of the tracks of the year for me. 
I 100% agree. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this, but me and Purvis booled hard together on Friday. Uh, Shout out to Tenkat Bar. We'll be back. Uh, And I was listening to this while you were on your way. And I'm like, dude, you got to listen to this. No else is like the all-time kickback song. Easily a top 10 song of the year for me. Yeah, it, it is so good. The sample behind it is phenomenal. It's actually also sampled in Potato Salad by the single with Tyler the Creator and ASAP Rocky. It killed me. It, I couldn't remember, but once I figured that out, the sample's like amazing. Um, the the actual beat that goes into it, the lyrics is it flows like nothing else. Like it's so good. Um, Pro Freak, I will say this: Pro Freak grew on me. Yeah. Believe it or not, I don't like or I, saying I don't like is an exaggeration because I love this entire album. Um, but I didn't enjoy Pro Freak the beginning of it until the transition. Yeah. Where like, oh my goodness, that beat switch. And then he changes the whole flow. Amazing. Um Yeah. And I, I really love Dochi's feature on that. Yes, she did phenomenal on that. Uh at the end of I want to say, I think it's Blue Billy when he comes up with the uh, Entrepreneur. I am yeah. playing that when I get my masters. Yeah, like that. <laughs> that is me. That's it was really I am good. Him. <laughs> yeah. Um, ben a minute has one of the best skits that I've heard this entire year. Totally agree. Where he's calling into um, Kroger. Or yeah. Kroger to get like backwoods. Um, little Uzi Vert's feature. The fact really good. that Little yeah. Uzi didn't give a standard little Uzi verse. He actually took into consideration the like theme yeah. of the album, the actual slower beat of um Pudgy. Amazing. Pudgy's easily like, one I of my favorites. I didn't even know too. he could do that. Yeah, no, Pudgy is it is easily in my top three favorite songs on this album. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I've been going off well what what's some of yours? Well I No L's has to be my favorite on the album easily. Mm-hmm. Like Talk about a starter. And also, I think, like, does encapsulate the vibe of the entire album really well. It does mm-hmm. kind of feel like... It does kind of... It, it feels very cinematic to me. Right? Oh, I can see that. Almost you know, like a play. It, to me, it feels like... Have you, there's a lot... There's, this, like, this subgenre of movies which are just about characters, like, hanging out and stuff. They're, like, very loosely plotted... They feel like, you know, it's like Dazed and Confused or Clerks or stuff where it's like you're just hanging out with these characters. To me, yeah. this felt like that. Like you're just hanging out in Smino's world, you know? Absolutely. Between St. Louis and Chicago, you know? Also, and, did you know I went to the same college as Smino? Okay, now that's another thing I didn't know. You First you told me earlier you've seen him before, and now... <laughs> yeah, I saw him uh, in 2015, the fall of 2015. Uh, with Zero Fatigue and Raven Lene at Emporium in Wicker Park. That's yeah, so I, uh, a friend of mine in class invited me, me and my roommate Bradley at the time, went. Uh, to be honest, like, my favorite thing is that they put on, uh, they were not my favorite artists of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guy who went on right before them I thought was better, and Raven Lene killed it. Uh, but damn, did they give a performance though? Like that's so dope. I they were v- 
very much winning over the crowd, and like I respected the shit out of him. And you said this was back in two thousand. What was it? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, yeah. yeah. So this was. And I just knew them as Zero Fatigue. I did not know them as Smino. I did not. I mean, to be fair, that was years before he actually released his first. Yeah. Like the Black Swan album. So yeah. This was so like, I never put two free. and two together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until I saw the Zero Fatigue thing. Because I have a strict memory of, like, me and my buddy Bradley kind of, like, for weeks after, like, they would do, like, Zero Fatigue, and they would yell it a hundred (laughs) times. Right? Like, a billion times, dude. And uh, me and my friend Bradley would just say that all the time. Zero Fatigue. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually pretty dope. I would want to know, like, the other members in the group and, like, their origin story. I clearly need to do some more research on, like, Smeal's yeah. upbringing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Noel's... But I guess... Go ahead. Yeah, Noel's best song on the album. I really love the song Defibrillator. Okay. I thought Defibrillator was... You know, it's very smooth. It's, like, almost, like, R&B-like. Which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. Like, this is... It doesn't really feel like R&B because it's not really dramatic and... The it's sing songy, but it's not like it's just his swag, bro. Yeah, like, like it's if, just... if I'm being honest, it, it's just it's just yeah, you know, and it, it feels personality oozes into it. Yeah, that's dude. I could not have said it better. That's exactly what it is, right? There are there are just some artists who just bleed into whatever art they create, and like low key, I struggle to think of a better example than Speedo, like. No, and that's one thing that I, I've watched a couple of interviews prior to this podcast, just like in general, because I've been a Smino fan for a while. Yeah. Like, one thing that Smino actually brings to the table is a very unique, unique black excellence. Like, a lot of times when people are thinking about, like, black culture and, like, things like that, Smino has so many different pieces of that that he brings in with his personality, whether that be centered around hair. Like, black people's hair is one of the most important things to them. And, like, he always has different styles of his hair that plays a role in the actual, like, music. The entire cover album is him doing his hair in a mirror. Um, just, like, the artistry that comes into it, his style is yeah. very unique and stands out. So it's so many things that he actually brings to the table that's representing a really good, like, community, I feel like. And, like, it just bleeds into the music. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you said it better than I ever could. <laughs> um, I, I think personally, this, this is gonna go in my top ten, Brandon. It really is. You really I, think, I think so? He's, it, for me, yes, he's shown so much growth as an artist. Um, in terms of what he can actually bring to the table, obviously, like we joke, we say this all the time, but Jid better because Jid dropped yeah one of the best albums of the year, if not the best. Yeah. Um. Uh, one yeah, thing that I, I appreciated, yeah, <laughs> one thing that I appreciated about Jid is the increase in skill level and quality in different avenues and different things they can right. bring into the actual music from his previous album. Yeah, you, that's you, how I feel about Smino. Yeah, you you could definitely see growth in right in Jid. To me, I don't know. It definitely seems like Smino is getting better. I certainly like every album more than his last at this point. Hmm. 
I don't know. It, I don't think the jump is as big as Jin's. Yeah, yeah, that's just. That. But it, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Right. Like, yeah, it's not nearly. You know, big. like it's objectively happening, or at least like based on like my own experiences of the albums, like it certainly is. You know, he yeah, started we're, making we're very good music, and now he's making incredible music. Like, <laughs> and man, he, has he stepped up? Like the. I feel like the bar that I had set for Smino, he, he surpassed it, honestly. It's not that, like, I like I love Smino, but I was expecting just something really flowy, something to hold me over, just because I haven't heard some new Smino in a while, but he over-delivered on what I actually expected because he brings in, I won't go as far as to say as this is some deeply um, conceptual album. Um, there are certain themes that go throughout the album that I did pick up on, but I don't think this is no good kid, Matt city level of like concept behind it. But I do feel like there's a lot of different pieces that he brings into it. But like you said at the beginning, it truly does feel like an album. He's implemented different skits within it. The beat switches, the flow switches, um, singing, rapping, ad libs, features coming in. Like there's so much more where it just feels complete. There's this, feels like a good project and the fact that i can listen to this in a blink of an eye just adds so much yeah no i listen you said it better than i do i did right so my my only my final thoughts on this album is it's an album i'm gonna be checking in on like my own feelings on Mm -hmm. pretty often because i think this is going to be something i listen to pretty regularly and like other albums similar to it, it, it's reminding me a lot of Run the Jewels too. Like, I'm, I'm gonna want to. My opinion's gonna evolve as I get more and more familiar with the music, mm-hmm. and just like my natural desire to just hear it will just keep driving me back and back until I understand it more and more. So, yeah, this is definitely one. That even though I'm I'm not super confident it's going to wind up in my top 10, it's one I'm definitely excited to talk about, you know, in, Jesus Christ, two months. In the, <laughs> like Man, time is flying. Yeah. Um, so what's your grade then? Let, let's go ahead and do grades. I give, I give it an A-. minus. I give it a strong okay. A-. You know, I think it, it has everything there. Like, I think this is full classic potential, you know. I, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I look. I, am I saying it is one? No. I'm saying full endorsement on the idea that it has classic potential. Okay. You know, the only thing that could happen is, and let's be honest, I think this is pretty likely, is Smino making something else that is very similar in like theme and concept and execution, but also better. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really the only thing that's going to keep this from becoming an, a classic. Okay, that's fair. That's that's one of the questions and, I forgot to even bring it up. Yeah, well, just because I think it's like it's, I, I don't think it's one of those like oh my god like it shifts the conversation around hip hop upon arrival, you know, the, mm-hmm. the same way, a uh, good kid, Mad City, or to Pimp a Butterfly, or um, twenty fourteen Forest Hill Drive did you know yeah no i I understand that like i said it was one of the things i wanted to bring up because personally i'm the same way i don't think this is a classic um yet possibly i think it has potentially to be there but i don't think it's there um mainly because there's so many different factors that go into a classic and i think one of the main factors is 
its influence, like you said. It's not like it jumped into the industry and said, no, you, I'm demanding you need to listen to me. Yeah. Um, it is serving its purpose, and I don't think this is a ceiling. He could do even better. Yeah. Um, so personally, I am in the same boat. A minus on a bad day, A on a good day. Like, this will be something that I will be playing constantly for a very long time. Um, I and feel like this is one of those. Who, know, who knows sorry. how we'll, we'll feel about it after we hear the this. Yeah, these stuff live. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, because um, I feel like seeing like Forever Story too. Like seeing those artists perform the, this shit live. Like to be honest, like seeing Denzel live is probably the reason is probably a huge edge that I'm giving him right now. Bro, we were really about to go see like two people that. Or, okay, one that's in the top five, one that Easy. could be in the top ten. So, like, we are getting... Jesus, this tour is about to be insane. Which, actually... It, and I'll, I'll close off on this, because we both gave our, our grades already. Um, one thing I want to bring up, because we're going to their concert, and it's not going to be a large-time venue. I, I think this deserves to be somewhere like the United Center, but it's just not, if we're being realistic. Um, I want to bring this up because I think this applies to Smino. I think this applies to Jid. This applies to Denzel Curry. All three people we bring up constantly. This applies to even West Side Gun, the other album that we reviewed. How do they get over the hump? How do they grow fan size? Or is it even something that they should care about? You know, like, I'll, I'll say this. Like, when I saw Denzel Curry, you know... He was closing against two of the biggest acts at Lollapalooza, and he had a full crowd. You know, okay. maybe not as you know, he was on the same stage as Little Dirk, right? Maybe not that full, but pretty, pretty full. Um, I, I just think it's it's about doing it again and again and again. Like when we look at someone, like even someone like Drake, who hasn't put out a super compelling album in a while, like mm-hmm. he still put out like his first album, which name escapes me which is pretty good uh take care uh the one <laughs> after take care that is also really good uh mm-hmm. the, the the ransom note uh all those albums really good and you know i think denzel has multiple really really good albums but even he has two maybe three like mm-hmm. um so i i just think it's a it's a time thing and the other thing is another huge part of it is those guys in the other class, like they're not giving up, they're not stopping. You know, Kendrick's not going to stop making music. J. Cole's not nope. going to stop making music. Um, Drake's not going to stop making music. These guys are going to be around for at least another 10 years. So mm-hmm. the thing is, like, unlike Con- Kendrick, J. Cole, and Drake, these artists have to find a way to. All these crowds living within an, a culture that has a Kendrick, a Cole, and a Drake. And it's going to be a unique challenge, but I think these ones are up for it. You know, yeah. you have all the, you know, you have Griselda bringing back sa- classic sounds with like new, I, I feel like very modern lyrics and very modern rappers. Mm. You have, you know, Jid just skill level off the charts like yeah it's, <laughs> you know you have you literally have, off the charts you have smino who like at one it's so crazy because like one second i'll listen to this album and i'll be like this shit is like 
meticulously put together. <laughs> and then, like, I'll blink and I'm like, this shit is effortless. Like, <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, that is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. that. And what bigger compliment can you give to something like Love for Rent? Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we move on to our recommendations? Call it a night. Yeah, we can wrap it up. We can have uh, a uh, an ultra rare normal sized episode. Not short, normal. Like <laughs> normal, because <laughs> we had maybe one short. <laughs> Not short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll open it up. I mean, well, I'll open it up. Yeah, open it up. Um, the first one I'm going to do. We have. I don't know how to pronounce it. NX Worries and Anderson Pack. I know they've kind of worked together multiple times. Yeah. Um, their song FKKU, which I believe is short for "fuck you," yeah. um, it is such a good song. That it has a very smooth bass in it that's just banging the entire song. It's very good. I can't recommend it enough. All right, interesting. All right, my first All one. Right. The other night, you and me hanging out. We were we were drinking, we were talking podcast future stuff. Wink, wink. And a song came on, and now it's stuck in my head. And it's "Will Be Fine" by Drake. Nice, right? <laughs> Too good. From Take Care, correct? Yep. That song is so good. That song is so good. Okay, but um, what I'll do for my second one. Um, I have been revisiting some of my lo-fi music. This is music I haven't listened to since my junior year of college when I was in the dark ages um, or the dark times. I've been, but I listen to a lot of lo-fi. And I, dude, I, I found... listen to a lot of like lo-fi. I would say like music I find like on random playlists on YouTube, like in the lo-fi sub like sphere. Like mm-hmm. I'd say it makes up a solid thirty forty percent of what I listen to. Like. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's so good. Like, we, we can't deny lo-fi, that. industrial, house music, stuff where it's like, give me a vibe, I don't care about an artist. Like, <laughs> I'm, And this is, bro, that literally plays into what we were talking about right before the podcast. Where they were saying, like, okay, I need some music to listen to that's not too, like, distractive. I just need to be in a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, But anyway... Going off of that, I'm going to talk about a song by Mac Keen called Tread Lightly. Lightly um, is very similar to a very slow down, mellow, kind of lo-fi beat. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's your second one? Okay. So my second one, we're going we're gonna to do an oddball one. I'm going to recommend an old rock song, right? Okay. Uh, because I've been thinking a lot about like writing and like the power of lyrics and things like that. And this is a song, it's, it's very goofy, right? The entire song is kind of goofy and like tongue-in-cheek. And then there's a single lyric repeated at the end that completely changes the tone of the song and is probably one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever heard, like now that I think about it this way. Uh, and I'm recommending Godzilla by the Blue Oyster Cult. You, you got a second for a walk? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay, so the Blue Oyster Call are like a band from like the 70s, right? They're, they're in an interesting place because they are considered a very important band for heavy metal. But I'm willing to bet that if I played them for you, you, you wouldn't think of them as heavy metal. They don't sound like it. But they were considered okay. it at the time that they were being released. Um, Why were they put into that box? 
I think it's just because like their stuff is very guitar forward. It's very musical. You know, this song is half a guitar solo, right? Uh, but these guys are a lot more like in retrospect, they fall a lot more in like psychedelic rock. So they innovated a lot of like the studio sounds that you can see reverberated like in basically everyone doing any kind of psychedelic music today, including people like Travis Scott. You know, like the mm-hmm. reverb he uses. That shit was invented yeah. way back in the day by bands like Blue Oyster Cult. Okay. Yeah. Now, the thing that's crazy is the song is called Godzilla, and it's not a metaphor or anything. The song, the lyrics itself are like a, like, describing the plot of a Godzilla movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. the, like, the choruses are like, oh no, there goes Tokyo, God, God, Godzilla. Nice. Right? So it's, like, silly. And, like, it's fun, and the, the guitar goes crazy. It's a fun time. But at the end, they play, like, this the insane guitar rift, and they have one lyric. And it is insane how deep this one lyric is in recontextualizing the entire song. And I would also say offers an insight into the world we've been living in for, like, two and a half, three years now. Okay. And the lyric is... History shows us again and again that nature will point out the folly of man. Okay. And then you realize that, like, Godzilla in this entire song is just a metaphor for how, like, no matter how advanced we think we are, we're still at the mercy of nature. And I think when you think about it in terms of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I think it's... It's a song, I, I listened to it, this was a band, you know, I I got familiar with, like, listening to my dad's old records, uh-huh. and they were on some playlists, I wasn't able to bring the title from Spotify, so, like, I've been listening to it a lot, and this lyric just stuck with me all week. Okay. Yeah. That's really dope. I'm pulling it up right now, and they actually say it a couple times on the outro. Yeah, no, they repeat it over and over again. I'd listen to it, I think you'll have a fun time. Like you'll never okay. want to listen to it again, but I think you'll enjoy it. Like, <laughs> I, I think okay. you will easily like it more than any song off Ride the Lightning. Like, <laughs> okay, well, interesting. I actually like that album. So yeah, okay. I know. I'd actually be interested, like, if you would listen to it and think it's heavy metal. Like, if I showed it to you, would you be like, "I've actually already played some of it while you were like talking because I wanted to hear it." Yeah, I would not call this heavy metal. <laughs> okay, that's see, that's interesting to me because you're new to it, like. Right, right. Heavy metal to me is... I mean, to me, heavy metal is Screamo, and then Screamo isn't even music. Yeah. So you Screamo, like, like take it down one notch. <laughs> Screamo is not metal music. Screamo is a subset of punk. See? I, I wouldn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's the point. Yeah. But okay, that's actually really dope. Okay. Cool. Um, Do your last one. All right, I'll close out mine. Um, we've been talking a lot about NBA Youngboy. I actually heard a fact recently that Drake's album Scorpion has more streams than his entire discography. Yes, yes. Which Shout is out that other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's insane to me. But regardless, I wanted to go back and actually listen to some of his music and not like his standard music. His song Hold Me Down is his attempt at a more loving song. <laughs> I guess you can say I'm not even going to say R&B because I don't think you can do that. But it's a more loving song, I would say. Or him describing his relationship and how he handles that. I think it's a really cool song. Yeah. All right, what's your last one? All right, my last one. You ready for this? I hinted at it. I hinted at it today in the podcast. 
Okay. Uh, we're doing Zero Love, Belly versus featuring Moneybag Yo. Let's go! Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> You've been full on this ride. <laughs> yeah. I got Zero Love like it's tennis. Do, 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 do. Oh, like... No, you're a <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>